the vital way. Where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Welcome to the Vital Way Podcast. I'm Logan Christopher here, and we have another exciting interview lined up for you today. Uh, Today on the call is Sage Popham, and he's actually one of my teachers in herbalism. Uh, what I really like that he brings to the table, which we will be talking about today, is bringing all these like different forms of herbalism and really tying them together in a way that gives you a good overview of how these different elements work together from the Western approach, the Eastern approaches, all sorts of different things. And a lot of stuff that most people haven't even heard of or thought about, so it's a very interesting topic, or a few topics that we'll be getting in today. First off, I'd like to say welcome, Seja. Thank you so much, Logan. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, can you give a little bit of background? How did you get into herbalism in the first place? I know that's kind of a long story, but <laughs> just uh, some of your background would be nice. Yeah. yeah, well, I originally got into herbalism really just looking for more of a natural approach to taking care of some, own, some of my own health issues that I had arise, and um, I just became really interested in adopting just overall a, a more of a natural lifestyle just for my own health and well-being, and um, I was really called to, to help people, too. I was really called to a healing path, and the plant world really kind of opened itself up to me, and that seemed like a really good way to uh, embark on my study, so I... Um, enrolled at Bastyr University and did their herbal sciences program, and from there I've studied um, everything from plant pharmacology to um, clinical herbalism, Western herbalism, Ayurveda, alchemy, astrology, and kind of branched out into a lot of different areas of study, uh, really looking for the universal principles behind different herbal traditions from around the world and, and how plants can be used, not just for our physical health and vitality and rejuvenation and healing, but also to really facilitate um, more of our spiritual growth and, and evolution on the soul level as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the deeper I go into herbalism, the more I realize just how much is there. Yeah, it's really vast. It's You know, I remember when I first started, I kind of thought, oh, herbalism, it just seems like, uh, you know, there's these... Uh, kind of set principles, and once you learn those, and you, you got it all under your belt, you know, and you're good to go, but it's so vast. There's so many different perspectives on plants and how they can be utilized and how they can be integrated into our lives in different ways. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really vast area of study and took me in a lot of directions that I really wasn't expecting to go originally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can say the same thing. So could you touch upon the idea, like, uh, I think, you know, Definitely the people listening to this, there's all sorts of different backgrounds. Some people have more of an Eastern perspective or may have uh, some experience with herbalism versus a lot of people in the West. You know, we only have that scientific worldview. Could you talk a little bit about the differences between that scientific worldview of what herbs do and, like, active constituents versus some of these other philosophies? Yeah, absolutely. This is an area I'm really passionate about. Um, so for me, you know, I... I spend a lot of time traveling around uh, with my business, uh, Organic Unity, and interact with a lot of people out in the world and interact with a lot of people in the supplement industry, and I actually worked in the supplement industry for a number of years, and 
Yeah, so I kind of like to think of the progression of herbalism, thinking about, you know, the way human beings have related to plants since kind of the first human-to-plant relationships up until now, you know, and in the past there is really much more, um, a very different perspective on plants and how they function. And, you know, from indigenous and folk models to more of the, what I call, energetic or vitalist traditions of herbalism, which we really see as the great herbal traditions of the world, Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, traditional Western herbalism, etc. And that has really progressed now into this modern perspective that I call uh, allopathic herbalism or molecular herbalism. And so the, the more scientific approach to plants is really focused on reductionism, that a plant has its healing properties because of certain pharmacologically active constituents that act upon our biochemical systems of the body. And while that's a very valid perspective, I mean, it's obviously it's true, right, that there's chemicals and plants that do things in our body and that have certain effects, um, it's, it's really um, a really limited way of understanding plants in the sense that it doesn't, from a clinical perspective, it doesn't really empower uh, one to effectively practice herbalism from a clinical standpoint. You know, it's like if someone comes to you asking for help, they're not going to say, oh, uh, I need help with my cyclooxygenase levels or I need help with my, you know, I need this receptor to be bound in my brain. It's like, no, you know, I'm struggling with pain or inflammation or, you know, depression or whatever the, the problem might be. And one of the things with that reductionistic model is that it reduces plants kind of dissecting the plant down to look for the, these marker compounds or these the singular active components. And what we see in the supplement industry oftentimes is what we call standardized extracts, where mm -hmm. a plant, you know, I always use turmeric as an example. It's a really popular herb right now. Um, and there's this complex of flavonoids in turmeric called curcumin. And most extracts that you'll see on the market are standardized 95% curcumin. And, you know, I always kind of say that 95% standardized extract is 5% away from being kind of like a drug in a way. And what the allopathic model doesn't do is really see the, the synergy of all of the chemistry of the plant and how they all work together to have the net um, therapeutic effect of that plant. And ultimately, when you separate apart from the whole, things start to function differently. Now, in traditional modern models of herbalism, they practice according to uh, vitalism or what we call herbal energetics. And this isn't some, you know, energetics. A lot of people think, oh, this is like some woo-woo spiritual thing, you know, but it's really, it's very pragmatic. And it's really based on how a plant is going to affect our own unique constitution, right, whether, you know, we tend to be really hot or really cold or really wet or dry. Um, so that turmeric example, you know, turmeric is a very warming, very drying plant. And if you have someone that has a lot of inflammation where they're like a fire kind of type constitution that already is hot and dry, that plant is, is uh, disharmonious with their constitution. It's going to actually drive their constitution more out of balance whereas that turmeric would be better for someone that maybe has inflammation or pain and they tend to be more 
kind of damp and cold and stagnant and sluggish, and they need that more of that stimulation in their circulatory system and their liver. And so, so there's a it's a really different model of looking at plants and looking at people that is truly holistic. You're looking at the wholeness of the plant and how it acts on the wholeness of the person as opposed to just looking at a chemical in the plant and the symptoms that it's going to alleviate in the person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, uh, you, you brought up the traditional Western herbalist approaches. Um, when I first got into herbalism, you know, I heard about these Chinese medicines and Ayurvedic. I wasn't even really aware of the uh, various Western approaches to herbalism, and I feel like a lot of people out there aren't as well. It's just, you know, those are thousands of years old, while ours are uh, much less aged than that. So could you tell a little bit about, because uh, I know there are several different approaches if you go back in history, but uh, a little bit about the Western approaches? Absolutely, yeah. This is a, a really passionate area of mine because, yeah, like you said, so many people, when they think of traditional systems of medicine, our minds tend to immediately go to the East, to China, to India, Ayurvedic medicine, Tibetan medicine. But really, we have a very rich tradition here in the West that um, ultimately has its roots in ancient Greece with the Galenic humoral model of medicine, um, moving forward into Paracelsian medicine, who is a Swiss-born alchemist and physician who ultimately developed homeopathy. And, you know, homeopathy is a uh, strictly Western tradition, a vitalist tradition of healing um, that is, I mean, it's incredible. Homeopathy is, has helped so many hundreds of thousands of millions of people over the last number of hundred years. Um, but where I get really excited about things is looking at the North American traditions of herbalism. And without getting into too much of the history, you know, but we have a couple primary traditions in that model that started with what's called Thompsonianism. And Samuel Thompson was uh, what they called a root doctor. And he um, was an herbalist, and he learned from a lot of the um, traditional healers, um, the natives here of the land, but also... Um, was a physician, was a physician-level herbalist and healer, and um, ultimately developed a system of natural therapeutics that <laughs> it's amazing, actually, when you compare it to Ayurvedic medicine, which is, you know, over a 5,000-year-old tradition. Samuel Thompson is talking about the same principles in his system of healing that they talk about in Ayurveda, with, and he had no knowledge of that system. So, he came to the same conclusions, and this is where I get really excited is when you see different people in different parts of the world, different um, parts of history coming up with the same stuff. They see the same things. They come to the same fundamental principles. And so in the West, we saw the Thompsonian tradition ultimately moving and transforming into what is called physiomedicalism. And the physiomedicalists were a... Um, a medical level practice of, of herbalism and natural healing. They really were the first naturopaths. And um, they, you know, primarily worked with plants and minerals and nutrition, uh, hydrotherapy, uh, natural therapeutics. And it was really the physiomedicalists and the homeopaths that were more popular than doctors at that time. You know, we're talking the 1800s in North America. 
and ultimately, um, you know, the doctors at that time were just doing a lot of purging, a lot of bloodletting. It was like the kind of the common thing was like, oh, if you want to get sick, go see a doctor, you know, or it's like they were, their practice was pretty heroic and, and dangerous, you know, they were, um, it was very, in, an intense system of medicine at that time, thinking of, you know, modern kind of standard doctors and, uh, you know, using a lot of mercury and a lot of very toxic compounds. And so the physiomedicalists ultimately evolved into what was called the eclectics and the eclectics um, were another vitalist model of healing that um, ultimately has transformed into modern-day naturopathy. So it's it's really neat to follow that golden thread throughout herbal history in the West and seeing that, in fact, we do have a Western energetic model that is very akin to how Chinese medicine, Tibetan medicine, Ayurvedic medicine um, have been practiced for thousands of years. Yeah, it is a very fascinating thing when you look at, you know, why we've gone into such an allopathic model with what the American Medical Association did and all, all the, you know, rich history that's in there. But uh, you mentioned Paracelsus, who's a fascinating character in some of the things that he did. And it's interesting because, you know, certain parts of our Western medical system, you know, came from him, but so much else that he did is considered, you know, the woo-woo stuff that you mentioned before. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about uh, Paracelsus? Yeah, I'll I'll try to keep it uh, brief. There's a lot that can be said about Paracelsus. He's a yeah. very um, interesting figurehead. But, yeah, so Paracelsus was a, a Swiss-born um, physician and alchemist and astrologer and healer um, in the um, late 1400s he was born. And essentially, up, up at that, until that point of medicine, we had seen, um, I mentioned Galenic medicine, the Greek model of herbalism and natural healing being practiced up until that point. And that had become a very reductionistic model of practicing, even though it was still based on energetics. Um, Paracelsus was really kind of disgusted with the way medicine was being practiced and how people um, were really not getting better uh, through that model, and he had actually, you know, was witnessing people getting more sick from, from that standard medical practice at that time. So he was a real revolutionary, you know. He, we, you know, Paracelsus was the first person to really think of the concept of sterile surgery, um, you know, to like, gee, maybe before you cut someone open, you should sterilize the knife, you know. Um, so he also invented um, the use of many uh, concentrated mineral and metal compounds that he uh, prepared through the art of alchemy. And it was these very powerful compounds that was really the introduction of the concept of chemical-based medicine. And so... In that way, Paracelsus was really the founder of what has now turned into modern pharmacology. And, of course, the important thing, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Paracelsus, he just, you know, was making these really concentrated toxic compounds that, you know, were basically like drugs. And it's true in a sense, but yet because he was an alchemist, he had a foundation in 
what they call the philosophy of nature. And this was his first pillar of medicine, right? It was Nature Sophia, the philosophy of nature. And that in all of our work as, as healers, as herbalists, as physicians, to always have that anchor in a, a natural philosophy, right? That we're always um, doing what is according to the principles of nature and the principles of what they call the vital force, following the vital intelligence of the body. And um, I think that's where we start to see that allopathic mindset take root that's gotten us into really the crazy situation that we see in the modern world of the medical system, that they took many Paracelsian concepts but detached from that natural philosophy, and that's where we're seeing so many issues in regards to, you know, iatrogenic disease, uh, disease caused by drugs, the, the medicines themselves, and just the state of our modern medical model. Um, so Paracelsus was also the founder of homeopathy. Um, even, you know, most people think of Samuel Hahnemann being the founder of homeopathy, but really if you look at Samuel Hahnemann's work, 99% of what he says in his foundational text came from Paracelsus. So he's a, a very interesting man. He's a, you know, um, a very uh, pompous man, but he was a genius, and he was very ahead of his time. And one of the things I really appreciate about him is his work with alchemy and um, work with astrology and using medical astrology as a means for diagnostics and therapeutics and just his rich associations with um, what they would call the, the hermetic traditions and, and how all of that weaves back into a uh, very cohesive and comprehensive system of medicine. All right, so let's, let's go there next, because uh, when most people hear the word alchemy, the only thing that comes to mind is turning lead into gold. And, you know, <laughs> when I uh, f first... You know, I, I it, was, it was a series of coincidences or uh, synchronicities that kind of led me into your work and studying with you. Uh, just one day out of the blue, the idea of alchemy pops up into my head, and so I'm researching it online. Then later that day, my brother handed me a book titled Spagyrics, and I'd never even heard this word before. So I start reading that book, and I'm like, oh, there, there's no way I could actually, like, do this work in unless I learn from someone hands-on. And, you know, a couple more things happen, but I end up seeing you guys in the work that you're doing. So uh, can you talk about uh, herbal alchemy and spagyrics and what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the word alchemy um, is such an interesting word. It's used in so many different contexts uh, in this world, especially in kind of more the, the New Age spirituality uh, kind mm -hmm. of segment, um, you know, everything from balancing the alchemy of balancing your checkbook to the alchemy of online marketing to the alchemy, you know, so many different <laughs> ways that word is used. And, and it's, mm -hmm. um, it's an interesting word, you know. It really has to do with the principles and processes of transformation. And herbal alchemy or spagyrics, the word spagyrics was actually invented by Paracelsus. He was so far ahead of his time, there weren't even words <laughs> that were there to, for him to use to talk about what he was coming up with, so he created his own words. So spagyrics is composed of two Greek words, which means to separate and recombine. And 
central to Spagyric philosophy is that all things in life have a threefold nature. They have body, they have spirit, and they have soul. And everything from people, from plants, to minerals, to animals, to every, like everything in creation has body, spirit, and soul, or what they call salt, sulfur, and mercury. And essentially what the spagyric process is, is separating the salt, sulfur, and mercury in plants and purifying them, exalting them, and then recombining them back together in what is considered a, a highly evolved state. And so the cool thing about spagyrics is that you're able to create a very concentrated, very powerful form of herbal medicine that is not isolating a singular compound. So like I was talking about earlier with the uh, more allopathic molecular model, that they're really wanting like these really concentrated extracts, but in order for them to get them to that level of concentration, they're kind of neglecting a lot of the other components in the herb. The beauty of spagyrics is that you're able to get a very powerful, very concentrated extract, and yet you're not throwing anything away. And um, one of the unique things about a spagyric extract is the presence of the mineral salts. So, um, so you know, one of the most standard ways people uh, work with her herbal medicines these days is through tinctures, right, through uh, an alcohol mm -hmm. water extract of the plant. And 99.99% of uh, herbal extracts, tinctures on the market, that would be considered uh, an extract of the sulfur and the mercury of the plant or the, the intelligence of the herb through its chemistry and kind of the, the consciousness of the plant. But it's missing that salt principle. It's missing the mineral salts. And so the unique thing about a spagyric is that those mineral salts are reintegrated back into the extract through um, a relatively in-depth process, but essentially you burn plants down to an ash and then ways of purifying that ash to, to crystals. They look like these little, like, quartz crystals and you powder those and add those crystals back in to the extract. And now you're getting all of the, the nutritive components of the plants um, and the, that salt principle, just like our bodies are the physical vessel through which our, our mind and our emotion and our consciousness works through, it's the same way with the plants. And so when you add the, those salts back into an herbal extract, it's like you're anchoring the intelligence of the herb back into its body. It has its vehicle, its delivery mechanism. And because the body of the plant is present, it works more efficiently and more effectively in our own bodies. So that's one of the really neat things about spagyrics. And that was like a huge breakthrough moment for me because I remember every time I'd be making a tincture or something, and I would press it out and separate the plant material from the liquid extract, and then I'd have to throw the herb away or compost it, and it just always bothered me. I was just, I always felt like, oh, there has to be something more there. Like, I didn't feel like the, the process was complete, and um, when I first learned about the, the extraction of the mineral salt, it was this huge breakthrough moment. Um, that was really a confirmation that, yes, there, there is more to it and uh, there's more refined means 
of um, of extracting uh, plants to to yield a very potent, concentrated um, form of herbal medicine. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's it's a fascinating process. And you weren't kidding when you said it's a bit of an involved one. I just went through and made my first pine pollen spagyric tincture and. Uh, it, it took some time to be able to do that, but uh, I'm very happy I got through it. it. It's really a process, and it's interesting, that sort of parallel. You're talking about all the different ways that alchemy is used as a term, but it, there's that idea that uh, as you're working herbally uh, with the alchemy, you're transforming. That's also doing the same sort of action within you, transforming uh, your body, mind, and soul in a similar sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, can you talk a little bit more about what is, uh, you mentioned a little bit, but the difference between if you take like a normal, uh, say, extract or tincture or something versus some of these spagyric preparations? Yeah. Well, one of the things, um, one of the primary things that I've noticed with working with the spagyrics over the last number of years is that um, they're much more potent. So oftentimes, the spagyric can be used in a much lower dose than a standard, um, a standard prepared tincture, um, primarily because of the presence of those mineral salts. Um, there are now there are many different types of spagyrics. Um, there's basic spagyric tinctures and spagyric essences and um, very advanced preparations. Um, the most advanced preparation they call the stone, the plant stone where you literally will take, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds of plant material and reduce it down to, um, you know, a small stone that just looks like a rock, but you haven't thrown anything away in the process, and they're just extremely powerful. And as you said, one of the primary principles of alchemy is as above, so below, right, which also means as within, so without, that that all of life is is a unity and that when we're um, doing something in the laboratory preparing a medicine that there's also an internal part of that process. So everything that is done externally is also has its internal reflections within our own kind of body, spirit, soul complex. And so one of the things with spagyrics is that while they're also while on one side they're very potent on a physiological level, they're also very potent on more of a psychological, emotional, and spiritual level too. And so one of the premises of alchemy is that it's not just a system of medicine, but it's also a system of psychology and and, and very refined methods for kind of activating and accelerating your personal growth, your spiritual growth. And um, one of the ways in which they're prepared is through using astrological tools to essentially magnify these celestial forces into abstract, which um, kind of activates what they call the, what they called the astral body was what the alchemists called it. And that can be akin to you know, like the acupuncture meridians, uh, the chakras. You know, it's very interesting that there's seven chakras in the human kind of um, energetic field which correspond directly to the seven planets of astrology. And so 
So it's the, the spagyrics are, on the one hand, working physically in the body, but they're also working on the subtle energetic influences that determine the state of the physical body. So they take it a step further by um, working more through the psychological and emotional dynamics that are kind of a precursor to a physical symptom. And so in that way, they're really truly holistic because they are working on all levels of our being as opposed to just the physical level. And that really um, speeds up the healing process by working more on those subtle territories and, uh, and in that way ultimately facilitate in our personal growth and personal transformation. That's really the inner part of alchemy is that it's, it's helping us to learn more about ourselves, helping us to be more aware of ourselves, helping us to let go of those limiting belief systems, those conditioned patterns, and to ultimately kind of whittle us down to our true essential nature that is in our heart, you know, and to really come into contact with that truth in our heart and realizing what our path is, what our purpose is, and what we were put here to do that is unique to our own self, what our contribution is to the world in in bringing a greater level of um, consciousness to the planet at this time. So I'm really passionate about this because I see it as, you know, this is why I love working with spagyrics because I really see them as helping people not just feel better in their body, but helping them work through some of their bigger, kind of the bigger thematic challenges in their lives and, and coming into contact with something essential in the self. And that essential part of the self is attached to a greater purpose of, of making, making a difference in the world. And so um, I think there's a, a larger picture to the healing, the overall healing process of the human being and how um, when we engage in that conscious healing process that we really reach a new level of empowerment, of clarity, and um, and just doing something positive uh, on in the world here when at this time when you know we really need it. So um, so yeah, that's just a little bit of my thoughts on the on the spagyrics there. Yeah, I, I really like that because definitely with healing, people tend to just think about the physical, but for best results and in most cases, if you don't deal with that mental, emotional, even spiritual side, then you know. You can't fix a lot of problems because the issues tend to be more on those levels than just the physical. So if you can take herbs that, you know, help with not just the physical but these other levels as well, which different herbs certainly act on these other levels, but also the different preparations, like the spagyric preparations, they certainly activate these more, then you can, as you said, have a much more holistic type of healing system. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, we could go on and on, and I know there's so many subjects that I'd love to have you on in future calls as well so we can dive a bit more detail in this. Uh, but for now, uh, where can people go to to find more information? So this is a great thing, like I said. It, it's kind of – it's a bit of work to prepare these uh, spagyric tinctures and essences, but Sage does it all for you. <laughs> and this, this is awesome stuff. I, you know, Of course, I take – the various Superman herbs we have, but in addition to that, I also take a lot of safe stuff from organic unity. So can you tell people about where to go to find more information and uh, get some of those to try out? Sure, yeah. You can go um, 
go to organic-unity.com, and uh, we've got a, a very large uh, materia medica of Western herbs, Eastern herbs that we prepare um, in spagyric tinctures. We have a, a pretty comprehensive line of spagyric essences as well, which are much more refined um, types of extracts as well as a lot of different formulas and things like that. So you can head over to organic-unity.com and, and check out everything we have going there. And um, I also do a lot more in-depth teachings um, around these types of subjects. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about these things, you can head over to evolutionaryherbalism.com or uh, astrologicalherbalism.com where I've got some some videos up there. You're more than welcome to head on over there and just pop your name and email on there, and um, and I'll send you some free some free videos and some more in-depth uh, training on some of these subjects. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sage. Uh, I think people very much enjoy this information because there's not a whole lot of it out there. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Logan. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back next week with another uh, great podcast.